Join me every month for the inspiration to find your finish line. Hello, everyone, and welcome to 2022 and to find your finish line presented by Curad Performance, the official medical supplier of Ironman. I'm Mike Riley, and this podcast is not only about you being able to find your finish line at a race, but also in life. I'll talk with successful people from all walks of life that have gone through the ups and downs of of getting to that finish line, and their stories hopefully will inspire you. So my guest today, I know he'll inspire you. It is Mr. Sam Long. He uh, was second this past September at the 70.3 uh, Ironman World Championships. He had, he's got a couple Ironman wins under his belt, uh, multiple 70.3 wins, uh, and probably one of the most dramatic races I ever saw was him against Lionel at St. George 70.3 last May. So hello, Sam. How are you? Yo, yo, yo. What's going on, Mike? It's great to be on the show. And yeah, a big memory that stands out last year was when you brought me in at Ironman Coeur d'Alene um, after what was a pretty hard day, obviously, in 105 degree weather. And um, that was my first, it was my second Ironman win, but the first one with you there bringing me in. And so that was something I've always dreamed about doing. And, and it was as special as I imagined. Well, I appreciate that. And it was just as uh, special for me because we survived we survived a day that was like I said, Kona hot. For goodness' sake, might have been worse than Kona hot. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. I mean, then I'm well prepared. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you and Laura, uh, your girlfriend, are right there in Tucson training, aren't you? Yep. Yes, sir. So I just moved down, uh, moved down here from Boulder, Colorado. I, I packed my car up and moved out of my parents' basement and and drove down here and uh, have kind of moved in and starting to make our house here. So it's been. It's been fun to kind of do that outside of uh, the triathlon and the racing to kind of advance in, in life a little bit as well. Yeah, exactly. We all got to move forward in life, too. We don't want to be <laughs> left behind, that's for sure. So no. you have had <laughs> you have had a pretty incredible last week or two, as we saw with signing on quite a few sponsors. Can you, uh, because, you know, the more I think about it, navigating a career as a as a, a professional triathlete, especially on the rise like you are, can be tricky, you know. And and people want to jump on the yo 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 bandwagon, which which I love. And you've got a USA lineup of sponsors. Take us through the process. Uh, are you a part of it? Do you have somebody doing that work for you? Are you involved in it? Take us through that process of all these sponsor signings. Yeah, that's a great question, Mike. And um, I'd say I do things a little bit differently than most other pros who have now reached the level I'm at and that I basically do it all 100% of my own. Um, I obviously have some advisors. I have a lawyer who helps me with contracts. Um, my dad's a business professional. Professional. He's been in banking for 30 plus years, so he can help me kind of with the financial side and understanding it. But I, I love connecting with people and I love connecting with my sponsors and and getting to know them and, and talking about brand agendas and how to spread their word and and telling them even about myself and how I want to add value. And so it's 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 a lot of work certainly that I've taken on, but it's been really rewarding. And it's it's especially rewarding to see like, okay, I've been training so hard for so many years. And and first off, those years of training took years to show up to to perform at the level needed on the race course. And then I've performed on the race course now for a few years. And finally, now it's like the sponsors are starting to come through. So it's really, 
doing it myself has allowed me to bring everything full circle of, okay, the hard work leads to the results and the results lead to the sponsors and the sponsors lead to, well, hopefully more hard work and more results, but also like a good living and being able to feel like for the first time in my life, I feel like I'm actually established in the sport and that if I had a bad season, I wouldn't be uh, having to quit and go and get a desk job, basically. So I, I, I can now say with confidence, I'm going to be in this sport, you know, in 2025 and 2030. And that it, it actually allows me to have a little bit more patience and a little bit more um, calm in the way I approach my training and, and not having to force things quite as much. Yeah, I see you at a desk job just about as much as I see <laughs> Uh, you know, a, a weightlifter doing anything else. I mean, it, it, I just can't imagine you at a desk job. <laughs> uh, no, exactly. <laughs> so does that, it, you know, now you're, you're juggling sponsors, you're doing it yourself, as you say, which I find very admirable. Do you feel a little pressure on how do you juggle? You know, you know what kind of training you've got to do and, and the events you're going to do to be able to juggle that sponsorship life and, and, the, and the racing training life and then life itself. That's, that's a tough little balance. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, it's been, uh, it's been learning how to uh, prioritize my time and, and take the important moments um, just to focus on what's important to me, basically. And obviously now living with my girlfriend and um, there's been times where, I've gotten chewed out of it, um, <laughs> which I'm sure every triathlete will agree with, right? With a job and, and pursuing triathlon that sometimes that family life can lag a little bit behind and um, and then you get called out for it. So it's, um, I mean, it's really for me, it's, it's two important things or three important things, right? It's triathlon, which you could break out as the performance side and then the sort of sponsorship business side. And then it's my, my friends and family. And that's, that's really all that I focus on in life. And so it's, um, if something doesn't fit into those categories, then, um, I don't really do it that much. And yeah, I think it's, it's good to be busy and it's fun to be busy. And I've had to learn kind of, um, how to be efficient doing the sponsorship work. I mean, I, it's also hard when you're first picking up a sponsor, it takes me, it would take me like an hour to write one email. Oh, this is what I want to do. And this is, and I'd be so nervous about it, but once I've done it enough, it's kind of, I know what to say and it starts to flow a little bit, right? It's like being at your first day at work compared to being there now for a year or something or five years. It's, it's just a little bit, uh, not a little bit. It's a lot faster now. Yeah. Yeah. And Sam, you're going to find out no matter what professional athlete was in what sport, uh, when they build that business side of their arsenal they're going to use that much longer than their athletic career. So that's something that you can look forward to. You're, you're giving yourself a business college education right now, which is, which is very good. Well, so exactly. you did. I, I literally tell you what, what Mike, I thought um, <laughs> that I've gotten more in the last year doing sponsorship and, and connecting with people on all of that and running my business side, starting my own apparel business than I got hands down in a year of school. Absolutely. Hands down. I learned more this yeah. last year than I did getting my degrees. I know. I know. It's funny how that works out, but you know, getting that degree is a, is a good start. That's for sure. <laughs> it's a good start. So you, yeah. Had, <laughs> you, you, in my mind, you had a great 2021 season. I mean, you went from 35th to second at the world championship, 70.3. Uh, that's something to hang a hat on and say, well, you know what? I did some right things, but uh, for some reason, I don't know, you know, I've seen some interviews and things like that. 
Were you happy with 2021? Totally happy with it? No, I really wasn't. Um, at times I've wished well, I could why? be happy with it, but I think part of it was my kind of uh, nut brain decision to race uh, Ironman Chattanooga one week after 70.3 Worlds. So I ended up my season, um, I mean, most people know I, I DNF'd there. It was just too much to mm -hmm. ask of my body one week after. But so instead of ending on the high of being second in the world, I ended my season with a DNF, which is basically the worst way you can end the season. And, and it left me wanting more. But I think even if I hadn't hadn't done that, I still would have been feeling like I wanted more. And I guess it's just the closer I get to the top, the more I realize I can be at the top and the more I want to be at the top, basically, right? When I'm 35th in the world, like I was at, at Nice in the 70.3 World Championships, it's kind of like, okay, well, first is so far off. It's like, don't even imagine it and don't even think about it. But then when you're second, it's kind of, you can almost touch it. And so then it's easy to imagine wanting more, I guess. Well, and we'll go back to that, to that race this year, but uh, you, you know, the, the end of the season with that Chattanooga decision and all of a sudden, Sam, you had to sit back and watch some incredible performances and some things that have never been done in our sport did that make you angst or jealous or uh, because I, I I think you ended up ho canceling your holiday plans with your family? Did, okay, I got to jump back on this friggin' wagon. Oh God, yeah. I mean, exactly right. I and that's probably also why I then didn't view my season as a success. But it's basically like I finished and then I got to watch you know Gustav Eden go and, and smash Lionel at Ironman Florida, um, and then I especially had to or got to, or maybe had the privilege to watch Christian Blumenfeld go 721 or 722 at, at Ironman Cozumel, right? And it was kind of like, okay, this sport's getting elevated um, by young guys, by young guys just like me, and and I don't want to get left behind. So yeah, I, I canceled my Christmas break plans and just trained right through Christmas, which was, um, it was actually awesome. I loved every second of it. And, and it's just, it's great to feel like I've had some success now and that I'm doing pretty well. But I'd, I'd say I'm more hungry than I've ever been in my entire life to to keep getting better and to keep improving. And so um, I know sometimes people get complacent when they get start to get up there, but I'd say it's it's the exact opposite with me. Good. And, and you know, those other guys you talk about, they're your age, but they started, Sam, as you know, when they were like uh, 10, 11 years old. And, and your first 70.3 was when you were 18, 18 as a as an age grouper so it do you feel like you're gosh i'm behind i'm trying to catch up yeah i mean i guess right they've been, they've literally been doing triathlon twice as long as me if i'm going into my eighth season they're going into their 15th or 16th season and i guess in some ways particularly in the swim i feel like okay i'm, I'm having to catch up and i'm having to put that work in but it actually sort of excites me because i've gotten somewhat close already and and i can reasonably expect my improvement curve to be larger than theirs, right? Simply because if you've been doing something for less time, you'll, you likely improve at it more. There's there's less you've already worked on. So there's more things and more areas of improvement than someone who's been doing it for twice as long. And so it's both sort of, yes, I'm lagging a little bit behind, but it's also, okay, great. I have, I have so much more to keep improving. Right, right. So when you uh, approach a new year and this new season coming up, do you, do you plan it out with a coach? Do you have a coach, Sam? 
Yeah, I have a coach, uh, Coach Ryan Bolton. He's out of, uh, well, he's kind of out of his suitcase. Yeah, you would, of course, know him. He went to the Olympics, the 2000 Olympics. He won Ironman Lake Placid in 2003 and now runs quite a successful coaching business. And yeah, I mean, we already have the whole the whole season planned out, basically. We have every race planned out. And, and that way, um, in the past, I've sometimes added races or stuff like that. And, and Chattanooga, I think, was one of the last times we'll see me do that. I, I wasn't supposed to do that. I was going to do Kona three weeks after St. George. And I wanted to do another Ironman. And it was like, okay, there weren't that many options. I actually I actually predicted that Sacramento wouldn't happen. I, I just didn't think it would happen. So I said, oh, there's the only other option besides that was Chattanooga or Cozumel. And um, I didn't want to race all the way till Cozumel. So it was, okay, give Chattanooga a go. But anyways, point being is that whole race only came into plan because other plans changed and Kona got canceled. While this year, hopefully like my race plan can stick true and I can just kind of follow the steps we've laid out uh, already. So what do you, what do you think you and Ryan, you know, every triathlete age groupers alike, you know, they want to improve from season to season, but where do you think Sam, your, your improvements are going to come from? Is it going to be individually from the swim bike run or just overall? Uh, I think both. I mean, I think it's no secret. I mean, I've got like at least a minute. I, I, can foresee myself improving in the in the swim in a 70.3 this year and up to two or three minutes in an Ironman in the swim. And then I still see a lot of improvement. I don't know that my bike times will get that much faster, um, but I'm hoping to be more efficient on the bike um, and basically be able to conserve a little bit more energy. And then, um, yeah, I, I, I'm hoping to be able to run still quite a bit faster. And um, you throw that in and then start to get overall faster, right? Because another year of maturity, another year of racing experience, I'll just I focus a lot on making the right decisions in the moment. Um, and if we went back to that uh, St. George race with Lionel um, in May, you know, I lost the race by six seconds. Um, I don't think that really had too much to do with fitness. Um, maybe another year of racing. I mean, Lionel's been in a lot more close battles than me at that point. And, and I think now with another year of racing, um, I'd, I'd potentially be able to get the edge or maybe it would be four seconds. I don't know, but um that's that's something that only comes with race experience rather than necessarily being more fit let's say how do you how do you how do you train yourself mentally i mean you think that race came down to being a mental lapse at all or was it pure physical sam um i think it was some of both i mean certainly in the moment it felt like okay lionel was just more physically stronger than me at the moment um but then when I went back and looked at the footage, we came through an aid station. I went to grab a water. He went right then, which sort of, you know, he got like a few seconds to get ahead. And then, okay, I'm, I'm kind of on my back foot catching up. So, I mean, I can't lie. I mean, in the moment, I, I was giving everything I can. And it felt very physical as if I was just giving everything I had. But, um, yeah, so I don't know. It felt pretty physical. But I also want to think like, potentially there were things earlier on in the race that I could have done. Like I made a big surge at about mile six of the run on a downhill and, and kind of got a little bit of time on him. And then I actually like overshot the turn a little bit. So then I, I ended up basically burning a match for nothing. And then he caught right back up on me. And it's like, if I had just used that match at the end, I might've been running stride for stride with him right, right to the very finish line. Yeah, yeah. Let's go back to the 70.3 Worlds in St. George. Uh, you were only four minutes behind Gustav with your second there. 
I want to take you back. Do you remember the pro press conference we had with all of you up on stage? And when Gustav and Christian were talking amongst one another, I asked them a question and they were, they were like discounting all of the rest of you on that stage in that race because those two were there. Did that, did that piss you off? Did that? Oh yeah. I'll never forget that moment to be honest. Um, I actually would almost credit that moment. Uh, one of the biggest moments for allowing me to get second place, because I remember sitting up there and it just absolutely infuriated me to basically <laughs> be saying, Oh yeah, we're getting first and second. And, um, it doesn't even matter who else is here. It doesn't matter whatsoever. Um, it, it was just a, a moment to be another athlete that's done a lot of work and kind of saying, Hey, wait a minute. Like, at least one of us has to do something. And if it's not me, I would have hoped it would have been someone else. And um, it, oh, it really lit a fire a fire underneath my butt. Yeah. Yeah. I was looking at the eyes of uh, you and a few of your counterparts. And I thought a couple, I thought a couple of guys were going to get up and go after them. Yeah. <laughs> but it was all in good, good competition. How do you think, how do you think you're going to be set up for the 2021 Ironman World Championships in St. George this year? You know the course like the back of your hand, but obviously it's 140.6 miles. Uh, is everything geared towards that right now, Sam? Yeah, everything's geared towards that. Um, that's my that's my main focus, uh, obviously, for the first half of the year. And I, I love the course. I, I think there's still maybe even Ironman's going to make a few modifications to the final course. I'm not exactly sure that it says on the website that the, the maps may change. And so I know certainly they wouldn't make it easier than it is. If anything, they would make it harder. And it, it's already a pretty uh, hard and difficult course. And anyone who's raced there in May knows that the mornings can be quite cold. Um, I mean, the reservoir yeah. is usually like 60 degrees that time of year. Um but that it often gets up to about 95 degrees there um, in May. So it's it's going to be this interesting combination of like, it's not just the guys that ha have to be able to perform well and run well in the heat, but you actually also have to be able to perform well in, in the cold, basically in, in a cold weather swim. And, and the bike course actually goes even higher up than the 70.3. It goes up over 5,000 feet. So you, you, you also have to be able to perform at altitude. So I think it's kind of a, it's a great race that sort of forces uh, the athletes to be able to perform in all conditions, right? Sort of down low, also at altitude, cold weather, hot weather, windy, sunshine, hills, flats. It's it's basically everything all at once. And um, I mean, yeah, I'm just so excited about that race. Yeah, it, it, everybody is. Do you think you're going to take a look and, and plan that race out uh, strategy-wise, not because of the competition, but because of where you know those tough hills are going to come, the, the whole deal. I mean, because I think it's got to be a strategical race as much as it is a physical race. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, it's going to be super strategic, especially being a world championships, right? There, there'll be kind of uh, big legal legal draft packs in the pros, right, at 12 meters. Um, there'll be big groups of that. And then it's kind of when you go and when you attack and when people are going to get tired and um, – and there's opportunities on that course, certainly for that. And so I've, I've already been thinking about that a lot. Thankfully, like you said, I know the course, like the back of my hand, I've gone out there and done training camps. So I've done that, the loop, the, the full bike courses on, I've probably ridden that 25 times in my life. So I, yes. I kind of know it pretty well. And I know that there's some, some good opportunities, uh, for carnage basically. 
Hold on, everyone. We'll be right back after a message from our sponsors. Even after 40 years on the microphone at thousands of events welcoming hundreds of thousands of athletes to the finish lines, I am still in awe by the incredible endurance of each and every athlete and what you display. The physical exertion, the sweat, and the challenges you put your body through deserve a level of support that match your dedication. As the official medical supplier for the Ironman US Series, Curiad Performance Series lineups of wraps, tapes, bandages, supports, and braces give you, the serious athlete, and weekend warriors alike, the optimal support needed to keep moving, including new far infrared kinesiology tape technology, which reduces energy made through body heat, back to targeted areas to help you heal faster and enhance performance. So don't you let sprains and muscle pain hold you back. Recover smarter and shop the entire Curad Performance Series on Amazon. So Sam, I'm, I'm going to keep talking about uh, some other races, but it just hit me because uh, I don't know. Where, where did Yo 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 come from? To be honest, Mike, I don't even know. Um, what do you mean I, you don't know? How can you not know? It's yours. It's your moniker. <laughs> so what happened is I basically would I'd start my Instagram stories. It, it was just something I said without realizing it. I would say, yo, 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 what's going on? And yo, 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 how are you? And and um, finally, people were like, you got to like actually make that a thing. You got to like try and get that trademark. That's your custom phrase. And then um it, it just kind of took off naturally from there, but it was never something like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to start saying this. I, I literally didn't even know I said it. And people were like, you say yo, yo, yo a lot. And I was like, I, I do. Um, that's kind of a weird thing to say, and that is, <laughs> but it's pretty awesome to have. <laughs> it is awesome. In my mind, it's, it's like saying, uh, what's up, what's going on, how you doing, you, you know, and yeah, you even, I, I even found myself saying it on the microphone when you come in, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, should I do that? Yo, yo, yo. It's like I'm advertising <laughs> your moniker when you come on in, but it's like, hey, what's up? Good job. You know? So I, I, I love it. Now you got it on t-shirts and a clothing line. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just, it is just a fun thing to say, especially when someone's doing well or coming in, it's kind of like, yo, 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 how are you? Or yo, 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 you're crushing it. And it's just kind of, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just all in good fun, you know? It is. It is. I, I, I love it. And and uh, the best part is when I'm standing in and the spectators are screaming it out, you know, I go, oh, my gosh, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Your fellow competitors may not like hearing it when they're going by, but you do. <laughs> no, I don't think I don't think some of them do. I've, I've heard after they're like, oh, that's all I heard all day. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sam, take us through, you know, those those few critical weeks right before a major event and the things and the workouts you do to, to let yourself know you're ready to rumble. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think first off, it kind of comes with this overarching approach that's beyond the details of individual workouts or anything. And it's, it's finding more time in the day to relax and get a quiet mind. And I really think that's probably the most, the most important thing because the intensity, the, the training starts to have more of an intensity, right? The mind's starting to be unquiet. You've got people putting pressure on you. I'm putting pressure on myself. And it's there's so much going on that it, I really have to make a big focal point to have time to kind of turn off. And, and the phone's blowing up on Instagram. And so it's like really in those final few weeks, I, I make sure to have time where I'm just totally turned off and 
and saying no to no to people saying no to things and just kind of with my few closest friends or with myself and just mm-hmm. um yeah I, I honestly think that's the most important thing to do and, and that doesn't necessarily look like anything specific it could just be you know the phone's off I'm I'm getting dinner with with me and my two parents at a at a nice place and it's quiet and we're not talking about triathlon or it could be the phone's off and I'm just you know sitting in the Normatech boots and I'm watching Netflix or it could be I'm doing a meditation class or I'm going on a hike. So um, those are things I don't think that are often thought about as as being achieved in the last few weeks. But that's super important and super critical to me. And um, because other than that, it's like every single detail gets so structured, right? It's like every workout is planned to the minute and and every meal is planned and every uh, call is planned. And it's just, um, it's all this intensity and intensity and intensity in, in daily life. And it's then, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll see two massage therapists a week. I'll get dry kneeling once a week. It's like, I mean, it's, it's, it's never ending that, uh, I found sometimes I haven't taken that quiet time and it's like, I can just sort of fall off the cliff because it's, it's almost like so intense, but it's gotta be intense to be ready to get the most out of yourself. And it's just then finding that little, bit of balance at the, uh, at the center of the storm, right. Where it's calm, where you can get ready. And, um, but yeah, like, I mean, I usually, uh, I usually do my last long run, like seven, eight days out. And, and that's mm-hmm. kind of a signal point of like, okay, this is on. And, um, yeah, kind of over the years now, I've kind of learned, I've got so- certain workouts I do in the final few weeks. So those are sort of like, um, their benchmarks, right. And I can kind of compare performance and say like, okay, I performed better at this race than I did six months ago. Right. I mean, going into St. George, um, the world championships, I knew I was better, um, for the world championships than I was in May because I did some of the same exact workouts in the final two weeks and they were going better. So it was like, I should be able to have a better race, which I was still second, but in my opinion, it was, a, it was a better race. It, it was faster. <laughs> it, it was definitely faster and, and on a harder run course too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, so, you're a uh, a big supporter as you should be of the PTO and and obviously in October you're going to you know you're a Kona contender uh PTO's added some attractive races in the 4 months prior to Kona uh how do you go through the process of then choosing where you're going to compete and uh you figuring out what your priority is during that time period uh, and I'm assuming you're going to go to Kona of leading up to Kona yeah, I mean, God, is next year a challenge? Um, I feel yeah. like normally, normally you've got Kona and you've got seventy point three worlds. Historically speaking, for the last ten years, and you either decide to do both, or you maybe decide just to do Kona, right? And so it's kind of the decisions are made easy. This year, it's there's two Ironman World Championships, there's a seventy point three World Championships, and the PTO has thrown in three great events, um, and so it's like. I mean, that's, that's six events right there that are all world caliber championship level events. And so, um, I think, uh, you know, the acronym FOMO, um, is something that we're all going to have to deal with next year and we're going to have to decide, um, which races to pick, um, and which races not to pick. And so, um, yeah, just really trying to align the goals up and, thinking a lot about yeah what kind of what sets me up to have the best career not just this year but also you know in five years from now and in my development as an athlete and and what's important to my sponsors but also what's important to me and and then kind of finding okay how can i do the most number of these events while performing at them and and what's the kind of different how many weeks are between 
the events, say if I do like the Edmonton race in Kona compared to say Edmonton and um, St. George and Kona and, and kind of figuring out, okay, which one do I have to skip? And I mean, I know for me, the most, the most important thing uh, just because of St. George's, I'm the most excited about the two St. George events, actually, to be honest. Um, and cause then I know it's going to move away from there for a while. So I, I think I'm the most excited about Ironman world champs in St. George in May. Um, I mean, it's the first world champs in three years. So I'm so right. excited about that. And then, um, my second most excited event actually wouldn't be Kona. It would be, it would be 70.3 world championships again. Um, just because I was second there and, and I know then, um, it's kind of, that could be the last time the world championships is raced at St. George. So to me, it sort of feels like, okay, that's, uh, it's kind of my last chance to really win that race, um, at, on that course. And, and I just, that town's like, I mean, it's like my town. So I really take that seriously. And then, um, with my age, I, I have a feeling that Kona is going to return now in October and that then it will stay there most likely, um, for a long time. And so I think like Jan Frodeno would feel very, very differently. I'm sure. Right. He's done Kona. He's, he's won Kona multiple times. It's kind of, he's getting old. It's like, it's his last dying breath to get another Kona title this year that I think that will be the be all end all. And, and he's maybe not even that worried about St. George that this is just a purely an example. I could be completely wrong. He, he might say, Oh, St. George is the most important, but, um, I think it just kind of goes to show that we all have uh, different priorities as athletes that are important to us at different points in our careers. Yeah. Those priorities go obviously with age and, and, uh, accentuation of, of, of the races you've done before. So I think I think everybody's going to, they're in the same boat as you, Sam, just trying to figure out uh, what to do because it's a great, it's a great lineup, that's for sure. Hey, why do you, why do you like the triathlon lifestyle so much? What, what, what drew you to it? Uh, to, to where all of a sudden you go, hey, well, I'm, I'm good at it, but why do you like this lifestyle so much? Oh, I mean, I think the first reason is I just have too much energy and too much ADD for regular day life. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can't do anything. You got to have all this, huh? Oh, I have to have all this, right? And I remember as a kid before I found triathlon, I, I never knew there was such a sport that really existed where, oh, you could do three sports and that's called one sport. So I remember I would go... I would always take in high school, whatever, I would take as many like PE and weight training classes as I could possibly fit on my schedule because um, that was definitely at the time and it still would be a lot more fun than uh, studying chemistry, let's say. And <laughs> then I remember I, uh, I'm i a triplet too, so my parents couldn't drive us around. So I rode my bike everywhere and then I would go, I would go to football practice right after and then I would ride my bike and then I would go to soccer practice and then I would ride home and then eventually I even added on, I'd go home and I'd study for a few hours. And then I would then go to the climbing gym and I would go bouldering for a few hours at like eight o'clock at night. So I was, I was doing like three, four sports a day, um, just because I had so much energy and I just kind of loved the the challenge of learning multiple sports. Um, so then basically what I found out, Oh, this thing called triathlon exists. I found out of that my senior year of high school and then suddenly every morning I'd wake up, I'd ride my bike, you know, in the, in the freezing cold weather, um, at six in the morning to go, to go swim laps, um, at the pool before school. Then I'd ride to school. Then I'd still get my weight training class. Then I would do the cross country practice. And then I would, I would ride home and I'd often add on extra miles for fun. And, and that's kind Jeez. of how it, how it took, uh, came together. And, and actually what's crazy about it is my grades actually started getting so much better. The more I would work out because, 
it allowed my mind to kind of calm down and, and I'd be able to focus better. And, and to be honest, I would go out and I would, I'd be on my bike and I'd be running the arithmetic tables in my head. So I would actually study while I was on the bike and it, it helped me memorize things. And, um, <laughs> yeah. And, and I think I just love, like, um, I remember when I would only do one sport, I just found like, okay, learning one sports, like mastering one sports hard, but like mastering three sports, it's just a whole nother like level of, uh, fun and complexity. And so I don't know, I just, uh, it, it just kind of grew on me. And then I just think it's also like one sport, you're just not outside it, you know, you're not outside in nature enough and triathlon right. of all the sports. I think it, it puts us, uh, it, it gives us the ability to be in nature, um, in the great outdoors more than pretty much any other sport I can think of. And, and that's what really grounds me to it. Well, everybody, you're listening to Sam Long on Find Your Finish Line here. And Sam, when you talk about that, you make me tired, for God's sakes, for all the stuff you're doing. But I remember one time I asked you, because you were uh, being a triplet, uh, that did your brothers, did they compete and everything? And you said, no, no, they didn't do it that much. Now I know why. You did it all. They didn't have to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they, they sat back going, hell, let Sam do it. I don't need to go ride my bike at six degrees in the morning. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's doing all of it. I mean, sometimes when I was a young guy, I'm still a pretty young guy, obviously. But I mean, I remember there would be nothing more cool than like waking up at 430 in the morning and, oh, how many miles can I bike before I have to be at, at work or school all day? It was just the most exciting thing to me. I love that. I love that. Hey, Sam, what do you think now? You know, I, I love it that you're talking more about the business side of the sport because it is a huge side and it's always going to be here and uh, you'll be able to take advantage of it and be a part of it. But what do you think our sport and events can can do better at? Where can we where can we improve? Where can triathlon improve? Yeah, so I guess I'll start by saying I think that the greatest thing that triathlon has um, is that age groupers and pros share the same course and that we're so close together, right? Um, I mean, no other, you don't get to go and play tennis with, you know, Federer and Djokovic on the same court at the same time. And so I think this, this connects our pros, um, the pros of the sport with the age groupers more so than any other sport, right? And that we're literally with each other. And, and in the morning, we're in the same transition area. We're going through the same nerves at the same time as we get ready. And I think there's got to be ways where we we sort of almost like capitalize on that investment or we just realize the potential of that investment. Um, and I think, yeah, it's just like the pros I think add a lot of value being there and it's, it's finding the value that pros um, give to all the age group. And, and certainly some age groupers, they don't really care about the professionals, but certainly some do. Um, but I most, think it's most do. And most do that. I think it's a, it's a powerful experience and one that like I ventured, if you asked, you know, um, whatever you're at, my dad, who's an age grouper, although obviously he, he doesn't have to pay to interact with me, but I think if you ask, say, like, how much would you be willing to pay for that experience with pros on the course, um, they would say, I think a reasonable amount. And if that amount even just went to the prize purses um, of eight, of pros, like we would see professionals making a lot more money. Um, but I think the other side with that is telling the stories of the pros um, a lot more, which obviously, I mean, I'm on this podcast, so that's what you're doing right now, Mike. And um, I know like the Facebook Live events for Ironman. Um, they had way more this last year. They started doing um, a fighting chance, right? That's the YouTube series all week. And it kind of follows as we would lead into the 
race week. And so I think it's kind of like two steps, right? You start to tell the stories of these pros, right? Because we all kind of know Tom Brady's story, right? He was picked in the last draft pick. He wasn't supposed to be a superstar. And, you know, now he's the biggest, most winning guy of all time. He takes great care of himself. He invests this much. And, and it's like, we all know his story as if it's almost like a fairy tale. And um, if we could get to that status where people knew pros um, stories that well, um, then I think we would see like not only would endemic sponsorship rise, which just means like swim, bike, run sponsors, but we would also see like, you know, Toyota would come in or Costco or McDonald's or whoever that basically the commercials and the people you see getting sponsored by football players or any other sports would start to come into the sport. And that's, that's where professionals would really start to make a big living. And not only that, but then like Ironman would make more money too, because, you know, then you might have um, these huge, huge national billion billion dollar companies saying like we want to sponsor this event and and so then honestly everyone would be making more and then hopefully even like age group entry fees would go down as well because it's kind of getting offset and then i think the community as a whole would kind of be bigger and so um and i also personally believe that like pto and iron man are actually that both of them put together are actually great because it's like it, it provides competition for each other and it's kind of when one does something well I think the other the other uh, side of it will pick it up and start following suit. And so I think I honestly don't think we've been in such a positive time for triathlon in, in a long time. And um, it's such an exciting time to be a part of it. It really is. And and coming from a sales world, as I have all these years on my other careers, uh, competition is good. Competition can only make you better as as you pro triathletes know that. And it's the same. It's the same in, in business. Sam, how, uh, how have you coped with the whole COVID situation even today and in the past? Does it make you uneasy? Are you uh, uh, abiding by everything? I mean, how are you getting through it all? Yeah, it's a great question, Mike. I mean, certainly like the last, I mean, what, we're going on almost two years of this, yeah, no of kidding. this now. <laughs> um, the last two years have been just incredibly different and unusual and at times just uncomfortable and, and not ideal and not what I, I wanted to deal with. And, um, sometimes very scary and, and, you know, it's hard to see family. It's hard to see friends. It's hard to travel. It's hard to do all these things we want. But, um, for me, I, like I ended up kind of trying to flip the coin and view the positive side of it. And, and I really viewed it as a time to reinvent myself. And I think that's really what we saw when at the start of the COVID pandemic, I mean, I was not a household name in triathlon, um, by any means of it. And, and I kind of viewed it as a time of like, uh, you know, I guess basically the saying when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And it was like, this is going to be kind of a gauntlet of fire for for triathlon and triathletes and um, those that don't work hard and those that um, can't train hard and, and keep improving without the promise of the next race or the next paycheck and all that, like will kind of fall off. And um, I put in so much work during those years and both, both again, training, but also trying to figure out like, how can I launch a YouTube? How can I launch a brand? And it gave me all this time and space to think, um, because everything was shut down. It was basically like a forced, okay, divulge. And same thing as back in high school, right? I had all this energy and it was like, where the heck is this energy going to go? Am I just going to bounce off the walls or am I going to like channel it and use something out of it? And, and I couldn't be more happy with, uh, how it came out individually for me. And I know like, a lot of pro triathletes and age groupers in general, they took that same energy and, and used it as a time to transform themselves and kind of look inward and say, what can I improve? That's, that's not bad in myself, but just what can I improve in myself that 
I want to make better. And, and I think when things kind of shut down, it was actually a good time to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Good reflection. You kind of change your philosophy and, and, uh, because, because you absolutely have to Sam, who, who are the, uh, male and female pro triathletes in the sport that, that you respect the most? It's not about, in my mind, like or dislike or, you know, they, good things or bad things, but who do you respect most among your peers? Yeah, so, I mean, on the men's side, I honestly think Sebastian Keenley has always been, like, my biggest role model or my biggest kind – just the guy I've always respected the most. I think he's um, he's maybe not always been quite the best. He's been very, very close to the best and at times the best. Um, I mean, he has three world championship titles, but it's kind of just the way he's carried himself and, and what he's done for the sport. He's always been so honest and so just, like, himself and – also, like, I mean, I've talked with him and I've heard stories and, and he's helped me like, you know, he helped me when I was just breaking out and told me things in my training, like, oh, why don't you do this? And why don't you do that? And then even when he's telling me these conversations, he's like, God, I really shouldn't be telling you any of this because next thing I know, you're going to be faster than me. And then I'm going to be hitting myself on the head. But it was just like, he's like so unselfish in how he's he's helped bring people up. And um, he's just brought so many people in the sport and just the way he's raced and um, yeah, I, I couldn't have more respect for a guy like that, um, to be completely honest. And then, um, I mean, on the women's side, I've always, I've always really respected Heather Jackson. Um, I mean, my first, my first age group Ironman win, um, at Coeur d'Alene was when she won. Um, and we actually <laughs> ran together for like 10 miles on the course. And so did you really, I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah. So That's I've always, cool. I've always kind of looked up to her and, and it's nice to kind of have an American close by and now I've become friends with her. Um, but I mean, also like, uh, I mean, Daniela Reef is just, she's just so exceptional and so good. And it's just kind of, um, to be as good as Daniela Reef has been on the men's side would be, uh, just an absolutely incredible thing. And, um, and in some ways, while right, Sebastian's kind of a little bit louder and a little bit like he puts himself out there. Daniela also shows a side of like you can you can really just let the legs do 100 percent of the talking. And I mean, she's swish. Right. So she likes to be a little bit more like her private life is pretty private. And, and I don't think there's a problem with that at all. I think it's just the two of them together kind of show, OK, whatever is your personality and suits you, suits you. And if you race as fast as Daniela, then heck, you can do whatever you want, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Sebi and Danny, not not uh, too shabby of a couple of, of great athletes that uh, you have respect for. That, that is good. What age groupers, you know, they, I, I, I talk to them all the time, Sam, as you know, and, and uh, they're always trying to improve, but obviously they're juggling a lot of things in their lives because so many of them are moms and dads and so many of them have these, you know, 40, 50 hour work week jobs and stuff, but the whole pandemic has really busted them up pretty good. What kind of uh, advice would you give to those age groupers to help them to keep moving forward and to get to that finish line? Yeah, I guess it's two things. I think, well, I mean, three things, I guess, first it is, it is great to get a coach, to have a professional coach help you. Um, but then, um, and cause I, I, I coach a few age groupers myself and, and the biggest advice I often find myself giving is like, I give them the training plan and exactly they have families, they're working 50 hour weeks. And sometimes it's like something comes up, up at work or their kid gets sick and they're messaging me like, 
oh, not going to be able to get this in. Like, you know, I wasn't able to get up before work. They're like, I'll get on the bike at 9 p.m. And I'll, and I'll be going to nine till midnight. And I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> like, we don't we don't need to mess around with that. Like, you've done enough work and you're consistent enough that like, I think when something comes up in the age group, uh, in our, it, it's even the same as a professional. If something really crazy comes up, it's okay to miss a training session here and there. Like, you don't have to force it too much and, and too crazy. And if you get that consistency on you, you can be easy on yourself. And it comes up more for age groupers. I mean, there's no sense in staying up till midnight doing a, a hard workout when you could be getting two extra hours of sleep and, and recovering. And um, so I think that's really important. And then I think the other tip is like the sexy stuff isn't really needed that much for age groupers. Um, and by that, I mean, like, really focus on a, a big solid foundation um, rather than like going say to the track if you're training for an Ironman and you're an age grouper or you're a professional you don't really need to go to the track and do like 10 200s or 10 400s fast you, you just need to focus on being strong and um, I mean I even hear from people all the time like oh well I'm not going to be possibly doing well in my in my Ironman because I'm going to have to walk some and I'm like, hey, I've won two Ironmans and I walked in both of them. <laughs> so like, don't don't be hard on yourself if you have to walk. And, and that's why they think, oh, I need to go to the track and do 10 400s at five minute pace per mile because that's what speed means and that's how I'll be fast. But it's like, well, any age grouper, you know, from mile 20 to 26 and even a professional from mile 20 to 26, it's literally putting one foot in front of the other and, and doing that as best you can without stopping and having a positive mindset. And so... Um, I think if you can focus on that and, and visualize that and practice that in training, you'll be well prepared for those final that final 10K. I think you'd, you'd be a great coach, Sam. Do you, you think you'd be a good dad? Oh, God. I mean, yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's going to come one day. I don't know how soon, but um, I think it's, it's funny to even compare like two years ago, I thought, oh, I'm, I'm never going to have kids because all I thought about was triathlon and I want to yeah. be on my bike. But now it's... Uh, Already, I'm kind of starting to think like, oh, there's more, there's more beautiful things to life besides triathlon and, and more challenges. And um, I mean, I think uh, I can already think being a parent would be so much harder than being a top top professional. But um, I'm definitely not ready for that challenge yet. But but maybe one day. Yeah, I, I guarantee. I think it's harder. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think it's harder. <laughs> so, Sam, my final question on find your finish line comes out of the Baja 1000 uh, racing, the desert racing down there. I've got friends that race there all the time and they, they call it table racing. After the race, they sit around and reminisce about the course, what happened, who won, all that good stuff. So I call it tri-table racing here. Talk about any tidbit from a race you want to bring up as a memory uh, with us, good or bad, whatever you want. It comes to your mind. Huh, huh that's a great question. Let me... I mean, you can go back to when you're 18, you can do it on a race, whatever. Yeah, I got to make it a good one. I mean, here's a pretty good one, actually. So after Kona, right, um, I raced as an age grouper. It was uh, it was 20, 2015. Yeah, it was 15, 2015 yeah. and I was 19 years old. Um, and I remember obviously the day was everything you would expect the day to be. And and I remember finishing and, and whatever, enjoying and celebrating with my family and then I remember I'd, I'd already done two other Ironmans and I remember, oh, I thought I knew what leg soreness would be. And that night, my legs were so sore, I literally couldn't sleep. And what I did is I, I put the Normatec boots on 
and I put them on a continuous cycle and wore them the entire night for 10 hours. <laughs> I, I wore them for like eight hours straight running all night and just slept there, you know, with my legs up, like lying down like like a zombie with the boots on for eight hours. And it was the only way I could sleep. And um, and I remember kind of waking up in the morning and be like, yeah, that's how your legs should hurt. And and my legs have never hurt in that same way since. So I guess. Uh, well, well, I'm going to put a disclaimer, everybody out there. You don't wear your, your compression boots for 10 hours. Okay. <laughs> That's not what we're saying here. Could you, could you get up and walk out of bed after that? Yeah, it was fine. I mean, it, <laughs> yeah. So, so that had to be 19 years old. Not many 19 year olds get to do Kona. Uh, that had to be a, a pretty special experience for you. Oh yeah, I mean, of course, yeah. I'm telling just some some goofy story basically because yeah. that came to mind. But there's so many uh, better stories I could tell. Like, I mean, particularly in Kona, I remember just waking up in the morning and it being like, you know, wow, I'm, I'm only 19 years old and this is like what what triathletes dream their whole life to have and and literally just feeling the energy in the air and and going to the start line and. Oh God, it was just this, this incredible experience. And, um, yeah, I mean, and then of course I remember, you know, my first art, well, my first arm win, win with you at Coeur d'Alene there. Right. Yeah. And it's like, mm -hmm. I was trying to make it to the finish line, Mike, um, to get there for the midnight to cheer the final finishers on. Okay. And I'm, I'm walking through the town and, and everyone wanted to buy me a drink. So you might not know this, but by the time I got there, I probably had had 10 drinks um, <laughs> because all the locals I'd be walking by on the street to get there. And they're like, no, come in. You got to have a drink with us. So I finally get to the finish line and it was like 1154. And you, yeah, you were yeah, like, you kind of, you, you, I have to say you cut it close. You usually they're about 11 o'clock, 1115. And yeah. there, there you come. I go, well, at least he made it. <laughs> exactly. Cause I parked and it was only like, eight blocks but every single block i had to have a drink <laughs> but, but it, it, i look back and go oh what a great experience because i ended up having all these and i, I wish i actually would have gotten to the finish line earlier too because i kind of missed that but i had all these different conversations with different people at all these that's bars good. and it was uh it was kind of a crazy night yeah <laughs> that that's good that's good nothing wrong with that sam that that's good i'll i'll, I'll forgive you but that the next time you know what yeah. time you got to be there yeah, 11 to 11.15. <laughs> I'll, I'll leave it at 10 to make sure I get there on time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, again, thank you very much, Sam Long, for your time. I know you've got a busy schedule. You know, it. here it is, January, and you and I both know May is going to be here before we know it. It's just yeah, how, how time flies. So I wish you the best of luck in your season, and I, I can't wait to see you at the start and finish lines, buddy. Yeah, thank you very much, Mike, and, and thank you for being such a great ambassador for everyone in this sport. Oh, well, I, I appreciate that. Thank you. And thank you, everybody, for listening to another edition of Find Your Finish Line, presented by Curad Performance, the official medical supplier of Ironman. And if you like the show, you can find it, obviously, on Spotify or Overcast. Go to my website, MikeRiley.net, and look it up there. And give us a review, if you would. Uh, that would be fantastic. Tell us how we're doing. So, Everybody, always keep in mind, you're the cause of your own experience. Keep that in mind, and you'll take responsibility for everything you do. Be safe out there on the roads, and I can't wait to see you at the next finish line. Aloha. <laughs>